Dear brothers and sisters, there's been, a, uh, in the last maybe decade, this effort to encourage us to, to eat more healthily. Do you remember even the expression? There's an expression that my parents maybe would have, would have used, like the fat of the land, and that, was, that actually meant a good thing. Remember, that the, the fat of the meat was actually what gave it taste. So to, to be able to eat the fat was considered something good. Now it's a heresy. You eat fat, you're disgusting. You know, now there's such an effort now to eat healthily. Always healthy options and celery this and rice cakes. Has anybody ever eaten rice cakes? Why would anybody ever eat rice cakes? There is no filling, there's no food in them. What's, we have one, one of our community members over here who loves rice cakes. I don't see the point. You eat them, you are equally as hungry straight afterwards. You might as well take a deep breath of air. Same difference. All right, rice cakes, no point. Or my mom, back in my mom's day, the fasting food was, you know, those Rivita biscuity things. I'm not sure if they, do they still exist? Those Rivita things, yeah. Pointless. <laughs> So there's the great efforts today to eat well, to eat healthily. Even in McDonald's now, you can buy a salad. Why on earth anybody would go to McDonald's and buy a salad? I have no idea. Uh, there's even a tax now on a drink if it has sugar in it, a sugar tax. My goodness. They're encouraging us to eat healthily so that we will live longer. And you know the expression, you are what you eat. I think it was, it was a, a, an expression that was used by parents maybe to threaten their children. If you keep eating rubbish, you'll end up a big heap of rubbish. Eat good food. Eat good food. You are what you eat. Dear brothers and sisters, every time we go to Mass, we get to receive the Eucharist. We get to receive Jesus. We get to receive Holy Communion. And the Lord says in the gospel today, he says it in different ways, but over and over again, he wants to be one with us. He wants to be united with us. He wants, to be, he wants that we are one and that we are united in him. Then in, united in him, that we are united to the Father. So basically that all of us are one. The Trinity and us, that we all are one. That we are all united. And so in order to, to accomplish that, he gives us Holy Communion. He gives us himself. And by the way, Holy Communion isn't the name of a thing. As in, it, it shouldn't just describe the, the host that we receive. It should describe the relationship. So what does that mean? Uh, I, I shouldn't receive Holy Communion if I'm not in communion with God. So it's no offense to any other world religion, but if, if they come here and, and they're not in communion with God, as we understand him, then they're not in communion. They shouldn't receive holy communion. You know, if, if, I, if I'm not in a state, of, if I'm in a state of mortal sin, then I'm not in communion with God. So I shouldn't receive holy communion because it's it's a lie. I'm saying by receiving this, I'm in communion with you, but but I'm not. Okay. So holy communion isn't just the name of the thing. It, it, it describes a relationship. I approach the altar, I enter into a holy communion with God. And what, was interesting, what is interesting is to look at even like some of the, the roots of where holy communion as we know it came from. So the Passover feast that, that was revealed to Moses 
uh, we won't go into the details, it'll take too long. But as part of the Passover feast that Jesus would have celebrated, each family had to get a lamb, an unblemished lamb, so you couldn't get a, an old wonky thing on three legs. Nope, had to be a perfect lamb, spotless. Now, where did, where did all this take place when you had to get your lamb and, and offer the lamb? Where did that take place? One city in the world and one place within that city, in the temple in Jerusalem. Not in synagogues, not anywhere else in the world. The only place they could offer sacrifice was in the temple in Jerusalem, which meant all Jewish families had to go there. So this is like trying to buy a turkey before Christmas. You, you can't, don't go looking for a turkey on the 23rd of December. You have to get one in advance, right? Make sure you have one for the day. So the families would have to buy a lamb 10 days, two weeks before the Passover to make sure they got one. Now what do you think is going to happen if you bring a lamb home to your family and you have your little children there they're going to see the lamb, and the lamb, I'm not sure if you've ever seen lambs, you probably have, driving around Donegal here. Lambs are, as you would say, wild cute. They're really cute. So you're going to have your little lamb in the family, and what are the children going to do? They're going to give it a name. They're going to call him Cloudy, or Cotton Balls, or something lovely like that, all right? So there you are, feeding the lamb every day, and if you've ever fed a lamb, the tail wags like crazy. They're really cute little things, lambs. And there he'll be frolicking around the couch, jumping up and down. Little does he know. The day is going to come when the father of the house will take that lamb and he'll go to the temple in Jerusalem. And the, the, the ritual was that he would hold that lamb, he'd come up to the rails surrounding the temple there's a wall there you come up to that, to that wall and the priest would approach with a particular kind of a knife it's like a cleaver's square well rectangular and long like that and with a bowl and the father of the house would, would hold the lamb and the lamb's throat would be cut from one side in one movement one side to the other and a bowl would be held under the lamb's throat and the father would literally feel the life drain out of the lamb then that blood was taken sprinkled on the altar the, the, car, the, the, the rest of the lamb was taken the skin was removed and so on and so forth and then the carcass was handed back to the father to bring back to the family and the next part of the ritual is that that lamb would be consumed would be eaten by the family so for them the idea of this sacrificial lamb, it was very, very tangible. It was very visible. It was very, I don't want to say bloody, but uh, obviously the way we celebrate Mass, everything has been kind of sanitized and, and uh, rightly so. But we might lose that connection with what's happening. Every time we go to Mass, this is called the holy sacrifice of the Mass. For those of you who are maybe a small bit older than me, you'll remember in your childhood that that's often what it was called, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. We tend to just call it Mass now. But that was what it was called, the sacrifice of the Mass. So as we approach 
the altar. This is, this is what's happening. This is what has happened. A, 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 an incredible sacrifice has taken place where Jesus offers himself to the Father. And just that, that, that image like of, of the, the, the father of the house holding the lamb as, as little by little the, the life drains out. I know it's not, it's not the nicest image, I understand. But this is how the father, if you will, experiences mass. As he holds his son who gives his life for us. Now, if we, if we can hold that, if you can hold that image in your mind, how would you receive Holy Communion? Or would you receive Holy Communion differently? As we approach the altar and you're about to receive the body of Jesus, and we're about to, to hear all the prayers of the Mass oriented, directed towards God the Father, as we offer him the sacrifice body of his son. For us priests, I mean, if, if we really believe that, how, would we celebrate Mass differently? If I really believe I'm talking to God the Father and I have the, the, the privilege, the honor, the, the, uh, the responsibility of pronouncing these words well and celebrating well because what's happening is literally out of this world. And heaven and earth touch, and the Holy Spirit comes upon these gifts to make them holy. And then we get to come forward. We get to receive him. It's just astoundingly beautiful. It's this great gift that we have at every Mass. I remember I was at a Mass in St. Peter's in Rome, and a large group of, of Asian tourists arrived. You could, they had their cameras out, and you could tell they weren't Christian or they weren't Catholic anyway because they had no idea, you know, what to do, when to stand, when to sit, everything. They were just looking around, following what everybody else was doing. But the time came for Holy Communion. And obviously the, the faithful filed out into a nice orderly... No, it was, it, they're Italians. It wasn't orderly at all. Uh, but, but they came out making their way up for Holy Communion. And, of course, uh, our Asian brothers... Well, if everybody's getting into the queue, I suppose we better get into the queue. So they filed into the queue as well, looking left and right to see what was happening. What, what happens when you get up here? And then they, they got to the top and uh, I think you're supposed to put your hands out. Or, and then they got Holy Communion and walked away with it. A Catholic cookie? I don't know. I don't know. What is it? Is it a fortune cookie? What, is this a little gift? I don't know. Obviously, Vatican security jumped on them fairly lively and said, you have to receive it. Because this is God. This is God, and he deserves the absolute greatest reverence that we can muster. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. If you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life within you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. 
You are so fortunate. So fortunate, no, don't, don't like that word. You're so blessed that you can receive Holy Communion today and probably tomorrow and more than likely every day. So many of you are able to go to Mass on a daily basis. Many of you are maybe signed up for Eucharistic Adoration in your Adoration Chapel. What a gift. Keep in mind also, one day we will see the Lord face to face. And we will never, ever regret a single minute we have spent with him in adoration. We will never regret a single moment of adoration after Mass. We'll never regret any sacrifice we've had to make to come here to Mass. The Lord deserves our hearts. He deserves our love. He deserves our reverence. He deserves our adoration. So we ask our Blessed Lady today to teach us to receive Jesus as she did. It's kind of hard to imagine how she would have received Holy Communion in those early Masses, the first Masses celebrated by the Apostles. I think with the imagination of our, of our soul, we can, we can see how recollected she would have been. Her head bowed in, in, in profound prayer, as also she would have remembered the Passion. She would have remembered the screaming crowds, the awful sound of, of the whips, the, the blood-stained pillar afterwards, again the, call, the crowds calling for his death, the way of the cross, the nailing. She would have remembered it all, and all of this, that he can give himself to us in the Eucharist. She can teach us how to receive the Lord with greater love. So we ask the good Lord today to reveal to us a little more of the beauty and power of the Holy Eucharist, his body, his blood, given out of love for us, that we may all be one. Amen.